In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation, and as always, it's great to be with all of you. And we always start off our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary has many wonderful titles. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. And Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. Not only that, but when we pray the Hail Holy Queen at the end of the recitation of the Most Holy Rosary, then we also invoke Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's start off our our family conversation by inviting Mary to be with us, to pray with us, and to pray for us as we say the prayer that Mary loves most. And that prayer is the Hail Mary together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now let's turn to our spiritual director. What a great privilege it is to have as our spiritual director the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has many titles, among which would be the Holy Spirit is the paraclete. Holy Spirit is also known as the gift of gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as our counselor. He's also known as our consoler. Holy Spirit is also known as the sweet the sweet guest of the soul. The sweet guest of the soul. That's right. The Holy Spirit is known as the sweet guest of the soul. So let's uh, ask the Holy Spirit, who's also our interior master, as St. Paul says, we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say, Abba. Abba, which is means Daddy or Father. So let's uh, beg the Holy Spirit to give us a lot of light in our intellect, as well as to give us the fire of divine love to burn within our souls. As we pray, come Holy Spirit, Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. 
Now shall we know the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. St. Francis Xavier, pray for us. St. Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. We welcome you all to our Persevered Family Conversation. And after we pray together, the family that prays together stays together. So I'd encourage all of you by promising to pray for you in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. So never forget that the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is by far the greatest of all prayers. Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is by far the greatest of all prayers. It is the prayer par excellence. So in this great prayer that I'll be offering today, actually two, a celebrated Mass at 12 and then a, my Mass at 6 o'clock in the evening. I'd like to place you on the altar. I'd like to place you on the altar with the following intentions. First, I'd like to pray that all of you, all of us, would be open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And pray as such Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. That's right. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. My second intention is 
would be to pray for your family members, especially your family members that are far away from God. That they would return. It's really never too late to return to God. Let's offer our prayers, our rosary, our holy hour, our masses, our communions, our sacrifices that these family members would come to the keen awareness that only God, only God can truly give us happiness in this life as well as in the life to come. As Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? My next intention will be that all of us, all of us, would pray for the dying. Pray especially for the dying today who are not well disposed. We're not well disposed. That our prayers would move them to open up their hearts and to trust in divine mercy. Jesus, I trust in you. So those are the intentions I'd like to place on the altar in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. So today, I'd like to place all of your intentions, those who are driving, Marianapo's intention for a husband, brother who just passed away. It's always a good idea to pray for the dead. And I'd like to just, uh, before getting into the readings, I'd like to um, just tell you what I do. Very frequently. Yesterday I had a funeral mass of a woman who uh, was born in 1928 and she died. So she lived to be actually 96 years old. What I do, I try to I try to preach and to give encouraging words trusting that one trusting and hoping that one day we'll be with our loved one in heaven however what I also do is I I tell the family members that starting today that I would offer a novena for the person that died as well as for the the living. 
What I do is uh, I I offer many many novenas in this way. I make a virtual intention and a secondary intention in the holy sacrifice of the mass. So once I say that I will offer a novena, right away I give it to God and the next nine days when I'm celebrating the holy sacrifice of the mass, that will be one of my intentions. So it's a secondary intention because I'll in the, in the parish, I always have a primary intention. So we can offer as many intentions as we like. And then they say virtual intention for this reason is that I made the intention, but I may not be aware of it explicitly every time I celebrate the Mass. That's called a virtual intention. Virtual intention. Then, in my homily, my funeral homily, I'll, I'll tell the people that it would be a good idea if they could make the novena too. If possible, go to Mass every day for nine days see, and receive communion if you're in the state of grace. It's not impossible to go to Mass every day Then you can maybe gather in various families. And pray the rosary every day for nine days. And if possible, to come to Mass. The best would be to both, both to come to Mass and to say the rosary. So it's uh, it's a beautiful idea, and um, I think many of you love the idea. And it's not too complicated. Just set aside nine days where you're going to be, if possible, come together as a family or go to church and pray nine days for the person that uh, that passed away. I certainly would want that to happen for me and I think that you probably want to happen it for you also you should never forget my friends what is called the golden rule the golden rule is what to do to others to do to others what you want them to do to you that's right to do to others what you want them to do to you I'd like also to pray for uh, Irene Copioso and many of her friends that are preparing to make a Marian consecration. Leda, Pat, Ramon, Christina, Anna, Beth, Beth, Christine, Mary Lou, Ines. So many of these people are making their Marian consecration with Irene. She does it a couple times a year over the past few years since my book of consecration to Jesus through the mysteries of the rosary 
but was published about six years ago. So we'd like to pray for our family members here, led by Irene, that they would really go deeper in their love for God through Mary. One last idea is that most of you know that in October, my my last book was published by 10 publishers. And it's called The Marian Compendium. Marian Compendium. So if you don't have my new book, Marian Compendium, wouldn't be a bad idea to get that and to read it. Uh, many people are thanking me for this wonderful book on Marian Compendium, which is a, it's a s- summary of synthesis of Marian devotions and Marian dogmas and Marian apparitions, Marian prayers, with beautiful classical artwork. It's called Marian Compendium. Marian Compendium. So, my friends, as we go deeper into our Lenten journey, the church today offers us, as always, the the first reading is taken from Jeremiah. Then we have Psalm 1. And then we have a longer Psalm 1, which is kind of like a two standards. Then we have Luke chapter 16, which is a long parable which Jesus gives us the contrast between a rich man and a poor man. And then the contrast of their fate when they die. So let's go through these uh, very rich readings. So we have Jeremiah chapter 17 and it can be summarized in, in, the, in the following. The curse is on those who trust in mortals. Whereas a blessing are those who trust in the Lord our God. So what the Word of God is saying is basically this. We are free and we can rely we can rely upon people, places, things, institutions, politics, ideologies, passing fads. We can do that. But the Word of God actually says, Cursed be he who relies upon those things. But there's a blessing 
<coughs> there's a blessing upon those who place their trust in God. <coughs> There is a blessing. There is a blessing upon those who trust in God. So let's renew, my friends. Let's renew our, our trust, our confidence in God. If you like a biblical contrast, it would be Matthew chapter 7. The very end of the Sermon on the Mount. Where Jesus compares two different houses. A house that is built on rock and a house that is built on sand. The house that is built on sand, when the storm descends, and the strong winds batter against that house, it collapses and disintegrates. Whereas the house is built on the rock, even though the tempest and the torment and the rains and the floods descend upon the house, the house is firm because it has a rock foundation. So the person that has his house built on sand is a person that relies on people, on things, on circumstances, on institutions. And that type of person will collapse. Will collapse. Whereas we, we, want, we want to place our trust in God. Listen to some of the verses that we can rely upon. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. If the Lord is with us, who could be against us? The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? And then, the last words of Jesus that we can find in the Gospel of St. Matthew are Behold, I am with you always until the end of time. We want to place our trust in God. In God alone is my soul at peace. Alone he is my salvation, as the psalmist points out. Building upon this idea of placing our trust and confidence in God, I never weary of trying to promote 
reading and meditating upon the diary of mercy in my soul with St. Faustina Maria Kowalska. I never get tired. Jesus said to St. Faustina that the greatest of all sins is when we do not place our trust in God. That's the greatest of all sins. As we draw closer, little by little, to Holy Week, we'll encounter Judas Iscariot and St. Peter. Now, one of the essential differences between Judas Iscariot and Peter is that they both failed our Lord. As Jesus prophesied, he said that before the cock crows, that Peter would deny him three times. And it happened. Now Jesus prophesied that Judas would betray him. And that happened. Now there is a difference. The reaction of those two is there's a marked contrast. Judas goes off, gives in to despair. Judas goes off and he gives in to despair and he hangs himself. Whereas Peter looks into the eyes of Christ and he breaks down in tears and then he begs for forgiveness. So much so that the end of the Gospel of St. John the very end of the Gospel of St. John, Jesus asked Peter three times, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter said, You know all things, Lord, you know that I love you. So both of them failed. But one gave in to despair, the other one trusted. So let us place our trust in the Lord. And I'd like to make a a practical suggestion to all of us. When you're in desolation, when you're tempted, when you're tempted maybe to give in to discouragement, or even in despair, I would recommend that you look at a beautiful image of divine mercy that hopefully you have in your room, and that you would look at the divine mercy, look at the face of Christ, look at him blessing you, look at his heart from which blood and water are gushing forth, look at him, he's walking toward you, and then say that prayer at the very bottom of the painting. And say it five times. Jesus, I trust in you. 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 That's a very efficacious way to get out of desolation. Now, I say always at the beginning of our conversation, we want to pray for the conversion of sinners. 
most likely all of us will have the opportunity to be at the death to be at the deathbed of some person it might be a relative a friend or maybe someone we don't even know I would strongly encourage all of you when someone is dying to pull out your rosary and to pray the chaplet of divine mercy. Jesus promised that when someone is dying, we pray the chaplet of divine mercy that in some mysterious way the Lord will help that person to get into heaven. To get into heaven. Even though that person may be a, a public sinner, maybe the person's an agnostic, maybe the person's a Jehovah Witness, maybe the person is a Mormon, maybe a, a Muslim, maybe the person is, a, is an atheist. You might say, well, Father Broom, how is that possible? Well, even Jesus said to Faustina, None of us can plumb the depths of divine mercy. Not even the seraphim and the cherubim, the highest ranks of angels, cannot plumb the depths of God's infinite mercy. But with my limited, my limited intellect, I see it this way, that when we pray that chapel of divine mercy, when someone is dying, then Jesus is presenting his wounds in his hands and his feet in his open heart to God the Father and saying, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. And God the Father cannot deny the love and the the love in the in the heart of his son. And the Father's heart gives way to the love he sees in the heart of his son. And Cecilia Ann just mentioned, I did that when my sister died and she passed very quietly. Yes. Yes, Cecilia. In the Diary of St. Faustina, I read a passage from the Diary every day. There is that passage where Faustina is in her convent and God tells her to pray for a man, a, a man, a man that's a sinner that's dying, and she's transported to the bedside of that man. Jesus says, "Pray now the chapel to my mercy." She pulls out a rose and prays the chapel to my mercy. <clears throat> it's like these demons recoil from this man, and when she came in, her, her house, her face was filled with despair. But after she prays the chapel of divine mercy, the devils take off. The devils take off and then the man the man's countenance changes. And there's a peace that radiates from his face and then he dies. So you my friends, in the perseverance family that we all belong to, we can all be instrumental in helping souls to get to heaven. That one chapel of divine mercy could be the instrumental cause by which 
wicked sinners are given another chance and God forgives them and they'll be saved for all eternity because we took the initiative to pray for them in those last moments. In a certain sense that John Paul II says, we're all called to be co-redeemers with Christ. Co-redeemers with Christ. And St. James says, he who brings back a wandering soul to the Lord saves his soul and expiates a multitude of sins. James chapter 5, the last few verses. It's a good idea for to pray for Amalia and to be praying it for her mother because her mother is uh, in a very critical condition. So we'll pray for her. When I pray the Chapa Divine Mercy at 3 o'clock, I'll be praying for Amalia as well as for her mother. So already I'll, I'll be placing that as one of my intentions when I pray it with Eric and Mary in the after the Ignatian form, we pray the chaplet. If any of you like, every day at 3 o'clock, Monday through Friday, we pray the chaplet, Divine Mercy, and then I give a brief commentary, one of the numbers. So, if you like, you can just tune in to my same um, website, my Facebook, and you can pray the chaplet, Divine Mercy, with me, Eric, and Mary, every day, Monday through Friday, at 3 o'clock, uh, Pacific time. So, let's move then from Jeremiah to the the Responsorial Psalm. The Responsorial Psalm is a reflection and almost like a repetition of Jeremiah chapter 17. And the response, the antiphon is, Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. It's actually Psalm 1. Psalm 1 says, Blessed the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor walks in the ways of sinners, nor sits in the company of the insolent. Now, on that point, I would encourage all of us, and many of you are parents, to be very careful in the friends that we choose, as well as in the friends that your children and teenagers choose. I'd like to repeat that. Let's try to be very careful. So to be very careful in the, the friends that we choose as well as the friends that our children and our teens choose. I honestly believe that all of us should have, all of us should have some friends. It's not good that the man be alone. We hear in the book of Genesis referring that man... Adam and Eve, man and woman, husband and wife, but also it's a good idea that we have a, we have friends. But we have to choose our friends. 
I've taught confirmation for many years. And I tell the young people that I teach that all of them should have a friend. So, we should all have friends. With respect to our friends, I'll ask the young people, what do you, what is your definition of a friend? Usually a young person will say, well, a friend is someone that's there for you and is faithful. I would say that's partially true. But even, you know, gang members and robbers and thieves and street women, they may be present to each other and be faithful to each other, but not in the carrying out of good, but rather in the carrying out of what is wrong and sinful. So it's not always that of simply being faithful to another person. But I would be bold enough to say that a true friend that a true friend is someone that draws us closer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's right. I repeat, a true friend A true friend is someone that draws us closer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he is, as we read in the painting, Jesus is el amigo que nunca falla. He's el amigo que nunca falla. He's the friend that will never fail us. So if you're a friend is drawing you closer to Christ, then that is a very good friend. So we should not, we should try to uh, avoid associating with people that are going to be giving us bad example that they become a near occasion of sin to us, or try to avoid them. Maybe you know the phrase in Spanish, it's called, Dime con quien anda te digo quien eres. Tell me with whom you associate, and I'll tell you who you are. And someone goes on to say, But this man delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night. I really like that passage. Blessed those who delight in the law of the Lord. Blessed who delight in the law of the Lord and meditates upon it day and night. 
that passage is important for us because we want, my friends, to be reading, meditating, praying over, trying to understand the Bible, the Word of God, always. But especially we want to be doing this in the, in the Lenten season. The Lenten season is the season where we want to be plumbing the depths of the Word of God. So, try to be faithful to your holy hour. Try to be faithful to your holy hour. Now, my friends, we should try, we should be trying to get to know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ more and more every day. Reading and meditating upon the Word of God. For my birthday, I celebrated about a week ago. A person gave me two books. And they're books. They're books of Fulton Sheen. Many people know that I really I love Fulton Sheen. One is the seven last words of Christ. But the other is the, the life of Christ written by Fulton Sheen. So if you ever want to get a really good commentary on the life of Christ, Fulton Sheen, Fulton Sheen, Fulton Sheen the life of Christ is a classic. Romano Guardini has written a good one. Alban Goodyear has written another good one. There are, are books written on the life of Christ which are classics. So we want to make a concerted effort to really get to know, to get to know Christ Jesus Christ. Uh, Christ. Now it's interesting that St. Ignatius of Loyola in the spiritual exercises, the 30-day retreat, The exercise, the third day retreat. Once we arrive at the public life of Christ, we beg for this grace. Intimate knowledge of Jesus. We beg for intimate knowledge of Jesus that we love him more ardently and we follow him more closely. What a beautiful grace. What a beautiful grace. Intimate knowledge of Jesus that we love him more ardently and we follow him more closely. Let's beg for that grace, especially when we receive our Lord and Holy Communion. Intimate knowledge of Jesus. That we love Him more ardently and we follow Him more closely. Then the psalm says, of the good man. 
He's like a tree planted near running waters. He's like a tree planted by running waters that yields its fruit in due season and whose leaves never fade. Whatever he does prospers. What we're doing, my friends, is we're we're commenting upon Jeremiah and Psalm 1, which is a real reflection on Jeremiah. It's kind of a reiteration. Now, the Word of God compares us The Word of God compares us, gives us a metaphor where he compares us to a tree. Compares us to a tree planted by running waters. And as a result of that, that tree is is being nourished by the running waters and it yields fruit. And the leaves will never, never fade. So, let's try to give a an interpretation of that. Okay, the running waters or the stream are symbolic of the Holy Spirit. They're also symbolic of grace. Also can be symbolic of the Eucharist. Those are the three interpretations of the running waters. the Holy Spirit, the flow of grace, and the Eucharist, which is the body and blood of Christ. If we have those within us, we are like the tree that will be growing, blossoming, flourishing, and bringing forth bring forth abundant fruits. Then the psalm says, not so the wicked. They're like chaff, which the wind drives away. I like that image. Maybe you're not really familiar. What what does chaff, chaff mean? Well, chaff is just useless debris. It's like a leaf or a branch or a twig or something from a plant. And then the wind comes. There it is there on the footpath and it's just being blown away. has no foundation. Then, my friends, we move 
into the gospel. The gospel today is a very powerful parable that hopefully can move us to a deeper conversion. A definition of a parable that I heard from a Protestant minister, which I like very much, is a parable is a human story with a heavenly message. If you like Spanish, un cuento humano con un mensaje divino. It's a an earthly story, but with a heavenly message. And it's Luke chapter 16. Our Lord will present a marked contrast and a before and after. It's the story of a, of a rich man who is dressed splendidly in purple And he's feasting. He's feasting sumptuously every day. So well-dressed, eating well, enjoying life on a daily basis. Totally absorbed in hedonism and materialism. Now, outside this rich man's uh, gate, we find a man in a totally different situation. The name of this other man, his, his name is Lazarus. It's the only time that Jesus actually gives a name to anyone in a parable. The only time. Now we see the rich man in his mansion, well-dressed, eating sumptuously. Lazarus is the exact opposite. Lazarus is poor. He's dressed in rags. Lazarus has these cuts or wounds. And it's piteous, almost disgusting, because the dogs come and they lick his sores. And this poor man Lazarus is longing to eat the scraps that fall from the rich man's table. But the rich man gives him nothing. Both of them, eventually, As is the human condition, 
both of them die. But now the tables are turned. Lazarus, the poor man, is seen in Abraham's bosom, which is symbolic of heaven. But the rich man, quite the contrary, is found cast into a into a pit of fire. And he cries out to Lazarus saying, Lazarus, just give me a drop of water to slake my thirst. And tell my brothers, warn my brothers so that they do not end up in the same place where I am. Father Abraham says, well, they have the prophets. So if you don't believe, if they don't believe the prophets, they won't even believe if someone returned from the dead. So there we have it, my friends. The parable of Lazarus, the poor Lazarus, and the rich man. The parable of poor Lazarus and the rich man. My friend, there's much that can be really said about this. But I'd like to just pull up one idea that Maybe it's not the idea that would occur to you, but I'd like to highlight that. When we go into Mass, the priest greets the people, he invites the people to examine their conscience. Then we have what is called the confidior, the act of contrition. which we confess that we're sinners. This prayer is actually taken from St. Augustine. Mentioning four different ways in which we can sin. What are they? We take our fists and we strike our breasts. We say, because of my fault, my fault, my fault. But we can sin in thought, word, deed. Then we can all sin as a result of omission. So we can sin through thought, word, deed, and omission. When we say the word omission, to omit, what does that mean? It means not doing what we should be doing. So, this rich man, this rich man, 
Dives is sometimes called. There, who this, this rich man, he was condemned not so much for what he did do, but he was condemned for what he did not do. And we call that, my friends, we call that a sin of omission. Omitting to do the good that I should be doing. So let's examine our consciences and beg the Holy Spirit to give us light. To see ourselves objectively. To see ourselves in the true light of the Holy Spirit. Not be like the rich man whose money, his possessions, his pleasure, his eating, his drinking, his dressing, his selfishness blinded him from seeing that Christ that Jesus Christ was truly present in the poor man outside his gate. Let's beg for that grace. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless all of you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.